0: Thanks again, Brother Greg and congregation, ladies, we appreciate you so much. We're in Psalms again tonight, book of Psalms, chapter 43, Psalm 43. We're looking at these Hebrew hymns in a series that help us worship our God, helps us to worship. Tonight, I would like to look at this small psalm. I've entitled it, Bring Me Unto Thy Holy Hill. That was the psalmist's desire. You'll find that right here in the text Bring me unto thy holy hill. Um, that's my desire. I want to be in the presence of the Lord. I love his presence. So you found your place, invite you to stand. If your copy of Scripture is open, if you're able, we'll honor, reverence, the reading of God's holy and air an infallible inspired word together. The psalmist says, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me, let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God. Unto God my exceeding joy, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You may be seated. We'll trust the Lord to bless the reading of his holy word. Again tonight like to focus on that little thought in the verse there that says, bring me into thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. This again, this series of Psalms is to help us worship our God. Personally, I don't believe there's any higher order of man than to worship God. I believe that you and I as the redeemed children of God have been afforded an awesome privilege of coming before the king of all the ages and worshiping him to me that's beyond my understanding and with such an awesome privilege the bible teaches us there comes great responsibility i said that and i'm i'm not being mean when i go on with this thought but These psalms give us instruction on how to approach God, how to petition God, how we are to praise God. Within all of that is our act of worship. I disagree is what I'm not trying to be mean, but I firmly disagree with that contemporary song that says, Come as you are to worship. No. No. You can come before God the way you are, a sinner. As we said, without one plea, I understand that. You don't come as you are to worship God. No, sir. This Bible's truth. There are instructions in this text of how we are to approach God, how we are to petition God, how we are to praise God, and within that it takes a lot of preparation to worship God. We must know how to prepare our hearts and our lives in order to come into His holy presence. That's truth, absolute truth. This particular psalm helps me, helps you prepare to worship even when you feel that God is distant. This psalm helps me, helps you to prepare our hearts to worship God even in times when we feel forsaken by God. I don't live on my feelings. But I'm not lying to you when I tell you sometimes feels like he's a little distant. I won't lie to you when I tell you there's circumstances in my life where I feel like maybe I've been forsaken by God. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you ain't lived long enough. I don't trust my emotions. But I do not lie that they don't come across my path from time to time. So this psalm is very of important because this psalm teaches me, I may not be able to control my circumstances and the emotions that come with that, but I sure can be faithful to seek God in worship no matter what life throws at me. I do not know who the author of this psalm is. Some commentators think that it is Hezekiah. Others, think it would be David. They're saying it was Hezekiah in the time of the Assyrian threat, which he had no hope in himself of deliverance. The only hope he had was intervention by Almighty God. Others say it was David. <laughs> I say, where in the world do you want to put it? That fit in David's life in about any, any point in time in his life. He went from one spot that was tight to another tight spot. One pit, one trouble from another. And if God wasn't his hope and help, if God didn't deliver him, David would have never seen the sun come up in the morning. So either author, it, it doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is both of these men could identify as well as testify to the truths within this text. Maybe you're here tonight in a a tight spot, a difficult place. Maybe you in your heart and in your mind feel distant from God like he has forsaken you. And I believe the is for you tonight. And I believe that you can find the same hope and help that the psalmist found in this text. I don't know about you, but I need it. If I don't need it tonight, I'm going to need it in days to come. There have been time in my life I wished I could have had a hold of it. First of all, as we look at this ideal of bringing me into the holy hill of God, I want to examine his prayer, which is seen to us in the first three verses. And it'll prove what I said earlier. We don't come to God on our terms. We approach God on his terms. The psalmist said, judge me, O God. Plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out the light and thy truth and let them lead me. Let them bring me into thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. And so we get to look at the psalmist's prayer in this difficult season of his life. And in the petition of his prayer, he mentions this one thought, judge me. I mentioned a little bit of this in the psalm earlier last week. I will be honest with you when I tell you, I read these words and I struggle as the psalmist in a difficult place when he's having a hard time with his own emotions, goes to God and says, judge me. Let's be real honest tonight. Most of us would consider that a strange thing to actually desire the judgment of God upon one's life. More times than not, most of us tremble and shrink at the thought of God's judgment. When I think of God's judgment, my mind runs to two places. When I think of God's judgment, I immediately think of the great white throne of Almighty God, where the heavens there fled from His face. You know, you remember that great white throne where sinners of all the ages, great and small, will stand before God. How are they standing? Shivering in their sins. Why? Because they stand in the light of His absolute holiness. The books will be opened. They will be judged according to their deeds. They will be banished off of the presence, out of His presence, into an eternal retribution called hell. That troubles me and the psalmist said judge me or i think of the judgment seat of christ to us who are born again who are saved will stand before the living god you're not escaping judgment saved or lost it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment we think of the judgment seat of christ where god will judge us on what we did with what we were given our lives will be open for inspection For rebuke and reward. And some will be saved, the Bible says, as if by fire. What does that mean? Made it in, as granny would say, by the skin of their teeth. Have nothing to lay at the feet of Jesus. Heaven's not the same for everyone. You can be stripped of reward because of your lack of obedience. Your rebellion against the word, the will of God. You can spend a lifetime serving God and ask Solomon, End up at the end of your life in a well of despair because you lived your life for the wrong world. Read the book. We went through it together. Ecclesiastes, vanity, vanity. It's all vanity, saith the preacher. So that's terrifying in one sense. Regret over what could have been. Think about the souls that God could have used you to win to Christ. Maybe cities, maybe countries, maybe even continents for Christ. We tremble at the very thought of God's judgment, but not the psalmist. The psalmist welcomed the all-scrutinizing eye of God in his life. He said, judge me. Later, the psalmist would write, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. If there's any wicked way within me, lead me into the way that's everlasting. We should live in a place where we want God to scrutinize over our life, to dig down in our baggage, Turn over every stone and see if there's anything that's within us that's displeasing to God. That's his prayer as he sought to come in to the holy hills of God. So I don't believe we just need to walk into the house of God nonchalantly, flippantly, and say, I'm here to worship. No, you're not. Unless you've had a time where God to scrutinize your life, Till you've had a time to meet along with God, surely, surely, I'm not being mean, I'm being honest, I want to help us tonight. Surely you don't come and say, I'm here to worship and you've not spent time with God. Set your clock another half hour. You don't think that would make a difference? What would church be like? Instead of coming in at the 1030 hour... Before then, maybe 6.30, maybe 7.30 on Sunday morning, you ate your breakfast. You got alone in your prayer closet. You sought the word. You sought the living word. You prayed, search me, O oh God. Try me and know my thoughts. there be any wicked way within me. Lead me under the way of everlasting. And you and God had a little business. God showed you some things. You had a time where you crawled up to God and confessed your sins and you come into the house of God, clean hands and a pure heart, ready to worship the living God who is worthy of all of our adoration, praise, and thanksgiving. He deserves our best because he gave his best. My goodness, I'd like to hear the choir sing like that. I'd like to hear the preacher preach after that. I'd like to see the congregation worship if we would come to the place in our life and say, God, judge me. Then he asked the question. He said, God, defend me. He wasn't a perfect man. He wasn't a perfect man. But he sought to live a life that's pleasing to God, and that's all that God asks of us. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We can all do that. We don't have to be perfect super talented or gifted, but we can be faithful. Seek the Lord to please him. Our lives should be an open for inspection as we seek God and we live in a way that God could defend us. He asked the Lord to, the word is vindicate me. He was living a tough life. He sought the Lord to please his case against ungodly men and ungodly nation. He said, the Lord is my strength. He stood in the power of his might, as Ephesians 6 says. The psalmist would say, mark me different from the rest of the world that predominantly is evil and wicked. There ought to be a difference, shouldn't they? A Christian should stand out like a sore thumb in this wicked world. He said, mark me different. I live for the mercy of God, not the wrath of God. I trust God to defend me. Why? That's his job vengeance, is. he is not mine, he will repay. He asked the Lord to defend him. Then he asked the Lord to deliver him. The psalmist had wicked men arrayed against him, men who would not hesitate to take his life. If ever he needed the Lord's deliverance, it was now, according to the psalmist. He, He didn't look to his own abilities. He didn't look to his military allies. He didn't look to strong political strategy or any type of Flawed human wisdom, he simply cried out, for the Lord is his strength, and he asked the Lord to deliver him. And by the way, that's the only way a child of God will ever be delivered in any type of circumstances is when he depends on the Lord as his strength and the Lord for his deliverance. Why? Because we wouldn't be one minute. One minute out of deliverance if it's something that we come up with and we would be strutting and crowing. You can look back through your life. I think I can look back through my life on numerous accounts, and so can you. It's a miracle. I'm talking to adults tonight, you know. It's a miracle that you're here at this stage of life. As a believer, the devil and his crowd has tried to take you out many times. What I've seen alarms me. I'd be amazed what I haven't seen. And you know, because you've lived long enough walking with God, you know It was because the Lord was your strength. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, deliverance didn't come by your intellect. It didn't come by your abilities. It come by the power of the living God. It is God that delivered me. You know that. That's what the psalmist says. And so if there's any deliverance, it comes from God alone. But you cannot deny, you cannot deny in this prayer He had said what was right, but then his perception is is struggling. It's overwhelming. He can't deny his emotions. He said, there art the God of my strength, but why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Like it or not, sweet singer of Israel that he was, he could not deny his emotions. He felt abandoned. There are times in your life, you know you're saved. You know you love the Lord. You know the Lord loves you. But it's amazing how circumstances in life bring doubt, bring dismay, bring depression, and feelings like abandonment. You can sit there and just kind of look all pious if you want. But the psalmist said, I feel abandoned. Yes, why dost thou cast me off? Why I go I mourning? Why am I so oppressed by the enemy? I'd say it this way, Who among us has not felt that way when wicked men pursue us and slander us and seek to destroy us? It is easy, it is easy. to let our feelings and our emotions get the best of us, especially when there seems no pause or punishment for the wicked, Who are after us. But God. Has not cast him off. God had not abandoned him. Because when you can't trust your feelings. You stand on the facts. The irrefutable facts of God's holy word. I'll take the word of God. Because the grass. And the flowers. They fade. They wither. With the word of God endureth forever. God never changes. He has promised to never leave us, never to forsake us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And on the other side of that, you're going to think, why in the world did I even entertain those foolish thoughts? You are passing through. We are going to get on to the other side. Trials do not last forever. They're temporal. And so he felt this way. He understood this. It's in his heart, it's in his mind, it's in his thoughts. We stand on the truth that God works all things, all things for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Good, bad, indifferent, tragic, horrific, or overwhelming. Just give it to God and give him some time. Here's what I've had to learn. He don't work on my calendar and on my watch. He's an on-time God. Just give it to God and give Him some time. He'll keep His promise like He always does. He'll work all things out for good to them who love God. Just make sure you love Him. And those who are called according to His purpose, just make sure you're saved. Because He do not work for the devil's children. He works for His children. Trust Him. Hang on and trust Him. We'll see it's proved true in the life of David and Hezekiah. Doesn't matter which one. They both experienced the deliverance of God. They both came down in very low places emotionally. That's why I love the Psalms. I, I can certainly identify with being in a pit, being in a tight spot from time to time, being on the run, being overwhelmed by innumerable odds. And if God doesn't, I'm finished. But without fail, God does. You can trust Him. You'll learn as whoever the psalmist was, if you put your trust in God, He never fails. There's a solution here. This way, I'm going to have fun. The solution was He prayed, He knew the right terminology, how to approach God, to seek to worship Him. He went through all the proper steps, even though He didn't feel Like that in his heart, and his mind, he was depressed. How many of us know when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do? That's what he did. But he also understood the solution. He said, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. That's it. When you're in a tight spot, you're in a dark place, in a difficult situation, all you need is the leadership of God. Lead me, how? By thy light and by thy truth. That's all you need in desperate times. In dark situations, you need the leadership and the light of God. You need the truth of God's holy word. You know what the psalmist was actually praying for? This is an Old Testament saint praying a New Testament prayer. Send thy light and thy truth. You know what he said? Give me Jesus. Now, y'all know enough of the Bible. You know what I'm saying. He said, I need the Messiah. I need the ministry of Christ in my life. Boy, that's a great New Testament prayer by an Old Testament saint, but that's what he prayed. He needed Christ who is the light of the world and lights every man that comes unto him. Light, it symbolizes God's active presence. He needed God's light. He needed God's presence, but he also needed God's perception. Man, I can't get out of the ditch of life. I need him to guide my life. Every step. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. He shall direct your path. He said, I need, I need your light and I need your truth. Well, He's in luck. That's who Jesus is. He's the light of the world and He's the way, the truth, and the life. We need the Word of God. We need His illumination in our mind. We need the education of God's wisdom in our mind in difficult times. The solution to our problem is Him. So that's what you need when you're in dire straits. You just need more light. You need truth. It leads us into his holy presence. We there find the provisions that we need. We need more of Christ. We need more of a visitation into his house. We need more of a visitation of his holy presence in our life. That's why so many forsake the word of God habitually. That's why so many, I'm not being mean tonight, I'm going to help somebody. That's why so many habitually forsake the house of God so regularly. Why? They lack the leadership of God in their life. Why? Why would you say that? Because it's the leadership of Christ in your life that'll lead you. Where? Away from your will to his will. If I'm left alone, I'll mess things up in a New York minute. I need him to lead me. Now, there's a question, all right? If I ask for the leadership of God in my life and I want him to lead me, where's he gonna lead me? That's a good question. So if I want him to lead me, where in the world is he gonna lead me? I'm glad you asked because the psalmist answers it. He says, you read it with me, let them, that's light and truth, that's the ministry, the personal work of Christ, it'll bring me into Thy holy hills and to thy tabernacle. The psalmist said, that's where I want to go. That's where I need to go. And that's where the lordship of Christ and the leadership of Christ will lead me. He would take him to the holy hills of Zion. I want to use the Old Testament terminology. He would take him to the holy hills of Zion. He would take him to the earthly dwelling place of the living God, where the temple was, where God's presence promised to abide there. So in essence, he's saying, take me to the house of God. That's what he needed. And that's the solution to his problems. So we're there. As I said earlier, we need. We need not to forsake the house of God. We need not to for the presence of God. But so many do. Why? I said it earlier. They don't have the lordship and the leadership of Christ in their life. I'll be honest with you. On a pretty day like today, y'all's yard need mowing. Mine does and mama's does too. I know I'll get to it, mama. Well, it's pretty today. I could probably get extra sunshine. Don't you tell me you didn't think about jumping on that mower and just knocking that out. Right, it's prayer meeting. Who cares? The vast majority did. We could stay out on the lake a little bit longer on Sunday evening. We don't have to go back. We were there this morning. Y'all seem very uncomfortable when I talk about this. This is a Wednesday night crowd. You ought to be shouting the house down and said, preach out on Sunday morning. You know, I'd be on the lake. And it's a beautiful day. I'd go tell my son, let's just skip it. Man, let's go drown a worm. Y'all looking at me like I've lost it. Son, I'd be right there. I'd be sitting on the couch tonight because they have the best shows on Wednesday and on Sunday. And you don't think that's strategic? I got my hind end busted so many times as a kid crying and whining and trying to stay out watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom on Sunday night. Disney, why would they put I knew Disney was of the devil. Preach, preach. I'm glad I had a daddy that vetoed all of my rebellion. See, I didn't have the leadership and the lordship of Christ. Huh? Then I got saved i surrender my life. He can't be your Savior without being your Lord. When He's the Lord of your life, you say, lead me. Where's He going to lead you? To His house. In His presence. You wouldn't be here tonight. I'm not bragging on you. I'm bragging on the Spirit of God inside of you. The only reason you're here tonight is because you had all kinds of entertainment. You had all kinds of extracurricular things you could have done and your flesh would have loved for you to have done. But the Spirit of God said, it's my day. So when you say, Lord, lead me, you don't know where he's going to lead you. He's going to lead you into his presence, into his tabernacle, into his house. I don't know about you, but I've never been disappointed. I have never that, that since I've been saved. I, I, since I've been saved, I've never been disappointed. Matter of fact, I've always been thankful and glad because I've never left empty. I always get. Something that I wasn't even bargaining for. In the presence of the living God. You have something to help you tomorrow. You certainly don't want to miss it. Bring me. So we pray for the leadership and the lordship of Christ to bring us into his presence. Notice his practice, verse 4. He says, then will I go to the altar of God. Unto God, my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. And So his practice moved from a prayer to practice, and that's what our prayers should do, right? Is that the very reason we pray? Our prayers should move us from prayer to practice. We seek the Lord to worship him in the right frame of mind, and once our prayers are right, our practice will be right. So he says, Lord... When I come, the leadership of the Spirit of God has brought me into your presence, into your house. I come with an offering. offer a sacrifice. I go to the altar. I said it earlier. Let me say it one more time. You do not approach the king on your terms, but we approach the king on his terms. And we do not go before him empty-handed. The psalmist came with a sacrifice. What is that? Something that cost him. Why? Why? That's God's standard. Why? Because it's a picture of Calvary, that cost God his darling son. That made him acceptable before God, going on God's term. Now, as a New Testament believer, we've not been commanded to bring bullocks and goats and turtle doves and lambs. No. We've been commanded to bring ourselves, to lay our bodies on the altar of God as a sacrifice. Don't just believe me for it. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's what he says. So that's what we do. No wonder God blessed that nation. Think about it. When a nation's leaders makes their practice to go to the house of God to offer sacrifices on the altar of God, to meet with God, to long to approach God in His holy presence, to be accepted by God in worship, a leader who declares that God is His exceeding joy. No wonder the nation was blessed. Has anybody seen that in their time? In my 48 years, I've never seen it. I'd love to see it. I'm afraid if somebody would stand up on a platform like that, he wouldn't get a half a dozen votes. Because they worry more about their pocketbook than they do their convictions in the Word of God. I'm different. I look to heaven and say, God, give us leaders like that. Give us leaders that you are their exceeding joy. That they would frequent the house of God in order to meet with God and to worship God with clean hands and a pure heart. He not only offered a sacrifice, but he offered a song upon a harp. Now, there's some of the commentators who said, No, that's David. (laughs) Had to be David, not Hezekiah, because he said he would offer a song. He would offer praise upon the harp. Could have been. I don't know. Doesn't really matter. The truth is, he had a song. He was a sweet singer of Israel. He's the author of this song. He wanted to meet with God. And here's what I'd say. You can't meet with God and not have a song. I say that again. You can't meet with God and you can't, I mean, you can't meet with him and not have a song. You may not be choir material. Most of us are not. Most of us sit here instead of here. But that doesn't negate a song In our heart. You meet with God. You'll be singing praises unto him. I mean it may be. Low. Quiet. Maybe even silent song. I've heard some sing. It ought to have been silent. We all would have sing. When you meet with God. he, He does put that song. In your heart. To praise his holy name. Here's what I've learned and the psalmist has taught me. Life may be tough and be honest with you, life is tough. But God's still good. And he's worthy of our praise. I know y'all been there. God's taken me there. You've heard my experience in some of the darkest and difficult days of my life. It's not Jamie. There's none of this. I wanted to crawl up and die and never see the sun come up the next morning. But the Spirit of God, I'm talking about the leadership and the lordship of Christ, on my knees in an ICU room, led me to a place to pray. God, I need you. I need to see your hand. Because I want something to praise you for. And I stand tonight to tell you, with everything in me, life is tough. Life can get overwhelming from time to time. Your feelings can override you, but God is still good, God is still on the throne. God has not forsaken you, and He never will abandon you, and He'll give you something to praise Him for, even in the middle of a storm. I stand as a witness. David said, On my harp, if it is David, I'm going to praise you. Why? Because no matter what happens, I win. I win. You win. I'm on the winning side. What's the worst thing that could happen to me? Die and go to heaven? Praise the Lord. He's worthy of our praise. And finally, I'm concluding with his provision. Look at verse 5 and we'll conclude. I love this. The psalmist said, well, why, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Does anybody talk to themselves? <laughs> And why are thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Who is the health of my countenance and my God? Boy, I'm telling you, you've got one of those bad days, those blue Mondays, those difficult situations. It's good just to shake yourself and get a hold of yourself once you've been in the presence of God. Once you've been led by the leadership and the lordship of Christ, you've seen light, you've seen truth. Then you can just kind of shake yourself. You can have a little come to Jesus meeting with your own self. I really believe you can get a hold of yourself and you can talk to yourself better than anybody else talk to you. And so he just looked up and said, what's wrong with you? There is hope in God. So he reviewed his situations just after one visitation with God with just one experience in his presence. He began to rebuke his own emotions. He questioned the depression of his soul, his downtrodden spirit. He said, this is not acceptable for a child of God. Because there's hope in God. In this world, no. There's nothing but problems and tribulation and trials and testing. Turmoil. But God is the center of my joy and the source of my hope. Well, I'd tell you, we'd just all line up and jump off a bridge if it wasn't for Jesus. But life is worth living because He lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Get a hold of yourself. I'm talking to somebody tonight. Get a hold of yourself. You just need a visitation of holy God. You need to get in his presence. Let him show you light and truth. then you'll just go to your prayer closet and say, what's wrong with you? Get a hold of yourself, son. There's hope in Jesus. That's what the psalmist did. I think it's good medicine. He's the center of my joy and the source of my hope. And he remembered his salvation. That's all you need to do. He said, oh, God, my God, I like personal pronouns. He had a personal saving relationship with Holy God. He was his God, and he was God's child. I'd say it like the psalmist does. If God can save our souls from hell, can he not deliver our feet from falling? In other words, if God can save my soul from hell, what can't he do? I may be torn all to pieces, but God's still on the throne. and I'm still in his hands. And nothing comes to me that doesn't pass through him first. And so it may be painful, it may be unpleasant, but it will not destroy me, it'll better me. Trust him, trust him. He remembered what God had done for him in the past. I wonder who here needs to do the same. Why? Because if you remember what God's done for you in the past, it gives you hope for help in the future. So I'll close by making this statement There's not only hope in God, but there's help in God. He makes the statement here that he is the health of my countenance and my God. In other words, he's my healer. He's my God. I don't know who the sweet singer of Israel was here. I don't know who the psalm writer was, David or Hezekiah, but you know their life story. Both were brought to death's door. And something happened. Y'all remember? God healed them. Isn't he a good God? Neither one of them deserved it because they messed up. But God healed them. Who'd go on record tonight and say, God's better to me than I deserve? Who could not stand even in a difficult day in a dark situation and say, God's my healer. He is my help and source of strength. That's what he said. So I wonder tonight who remembers how God healed them and helped them in times past. Who needs to be reminded that God is the help of their countenance. I wonder who could stand with a cardboard testimony tonight. He healed me. Oh, I shouldn't have been here. The doctors came in. Pastor, they had to cut me out of a car. I had a fall, Pastor. I've got more metal in me. They said I'd never live. Pastor, not too many people know about this, but one night, this happened or that happened. One day, a near brush with death, but God, God healed me. God help me. So I wonder who needs to come and seek the Lord in prayer. Life is difficult. Maybe you're going through the the season of your life that's trying you. And your desire is to worship God. To have clean hands and a pure heart to be right with Him. I tell you to come. Come to the altar of God and let God examine you. Let Him cleanse you. Let Him scrutinize over your life. Why? Because He will defend you. He'll deliver you. As a child of God, you've you've not been forsaken. Let the Spirit of God lead you to himself. Maybe you need to come and give yourself a fresh and anew to God. Why? Because he's not your exceeding joy, but he should be. You've not rejoiced in a long time. Can I ask a question? How long has it been since you just got beside yourself for Jesus? How long's it been that you actually unfolded your arms and you worshiped him? I'm not saying you have to lift your hands to worship God. I'm not saying that. I remember growing up in a church and we sang this one song and this lady, asked the choir director, we sung that song, over oh, for a thousand hands raised. She said, is that where everybody raises their hand? That, that, that's not what I'm talking about. That was kind of funny, but we're not puppets on a string. But how long's it been? where the Lordship of Christ has just so overwhelmed you because you've been in his presence that he has become the center of your joy, your exceeding joy. And you couldn't help but sing. You couldn't help but shout. You couldn't help but rejoice and praise his holy name. Well, I wouldn't want to live without that. Whatever you have need of, there's help in him. Salvation. Sanctification, a little help in worshiping Him. I think we'll do our very best to please Him who rescued us. I get excited to get to heaven, gonna see Him one day. I want, I want, my, I want my worship, I want my worship to be pleasing. I think we ought to learn the best we can down here because he deserves our best. Father, thank you for the privilege and honor of reading, studying, learning some truths of this psalm. Lord, this is your inexhaustible word. We've not scratched the tip of the iceberg. But God, what you've revealed to us has helped me. I just pray you'd help me to apply it more to my life, to be pleasing to you. I want my worship to be right. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I know they have the same desire. Lord, would you lead us into a good place that so we could be found obedient, of worshiping you in a way that you deserve. Father, I don't take for granted in a crowd this size that somebody may be here tonight without Christ. I pray that you'd lead them to a place of salvation. Our great privilege to show them the word of God and how to be saved. Lord, may your perfect will be accomplished and all that we will praise you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.